Dear Knight of the Comet, You made me remember that comets are a thing. Sincerely, Bridget. Dear Knight of the Comet, While you have some major moments of me cringing, either from secondhand embarrassment, because something was so tense, or from the heavy-handed dialogue writing, I still got Elena and Damon moments and Elena and Stefan's first kiss. So I'm content. Sincerely, Nikki. I love that we're setting up a dynamic where my thing is like one line and your thing is like a paragraph and I, I really like it. I hope that that continues to happen. Well, I feel like the first time I got all nervous because like I felt like I was just thinking of doing an, like a line and then I was like, oh, but then I feel like Bridget's going to write more now. <laughs> and then you were like, oh, you have a ton written? And I was like, oh, let me delete it all. <laughs> I'm like, comments. <laughs> Anyway. And welcome back to Dear Vampire Diaries, where we have the pleasure of discussing the second episode in season one, The Night of the Comet. I am Bridget, one of two hosts. And I am Nikki, your other host. And we won't be talking about what goes down in Mystic Falls in the future episodes, but we will be discussing this episode, Night of the Comet, in detail, and you have been warned. And speaking of warnings, we have a content note. The Vampire Diaries contains heavy themes. Please check the episode description for trigger warnings and timestamps. This is the episode where, according to the Netflix summary, Elena goes to the Salvatore house to talk to Stefan, but finds Damon there instead, who reveals surprising information about Stefan's past. That sure was one scene of a whole episode. Oh my god, you have a, a dating history? I'm so surprised. It's almost like my ex-boyfriend has also been looming in the picture for the past hour of this show. That's fine. And we open in episode two with another couple doomed to be deaf to the music that is quite literally saying, you're going to eat me alive. I love this song. It's called Help I'm Alive by Metric, and I've been listening to it all week, and I really like it. It's been definitely stuck in my head. And yeah, for some reason, our couples that wander into the woods of Mystic Falls never hear the music in their horror movie that they've wandered into. But this time they don't have names, and so I'd like to say that maybe we should call them Brooke and Darren (laughs) (laughs) 2.0. Like, Drook and Baron. <laughs> so our couple number two, Drook and Dick, I can't do that, nope. Brooke 2.0 is afraid that it's going to rain, right? She's like, yes. we'll be able to see the comet, because remember the comet? Yep. And then Darren 2.0 is like, I'm going to go out to the car and get get you something, and they seem very in love. It, does it also bother you that we never find out what that thing is? What do you think he got her? I wish we could have zoomed in on the window as she disappears and see, like... The little box of chocolate hearts he's given her. <laughs> But uh, our guy Damon has an MO, apparently. Yeah, the tent is surrounded by fog and we know exactly what's going to happen. Darren 2.0, you know, is out of the tent and Brooke 2.0 hears droplets on the tent and she's like, I knew it. And she gets out of the tent to tell him that he was wrong and she was right. But uh, he's uh, nowhere to be seen. Hey, Nikki, do you know what my favorite camping activity is? What's that? It's to build up an appetite while I'm waiting to make some s'mores by creating a weather soundscape using another person's bodily fluids. Classic Classic camping trip. Classic camping. (laughs) This was so funny because I went camping last weekend. Oh, yes, that's right. So I was thinking a little bit about this uh, as I was oh, hearing no. noises I'm in sorry. my tent. But this this version of Brooke actually does run towards the car. It's great because the, there's a moment here that I don't know if it's a, intentionally supposed to be a nod to Scream, but it very much reminds me of Scream when the car like unlocks and it's like, ooh, <gasps> you don't have the keys. You know who has the keys? 
the killer. You know, something I realized about Damon in this is that he is explicitly targeting couples, couples who seem very in love. And it almost it's almost like he's a fatalist that believes that every relationship is doomed to end. If he has something to say about it, it's going to be doomed to end. Also, I want to point out, in order for Damon to do this, yeah. he would have had to have been listening to their conversation for like a while, like figuring out like, okay, how can I psych these guys out? Yeah. And then he was like, oh, I can make it sound like it's going to rain. Literally his plan. <laughs> Do we think that Damon took the present? Yes. Like a nice bottle of wine? I can see him taking that. Ooh. But we have an, instead of a uh, swooped out of the air moment, we see a Damon dropping from the trees. He just happened to be bungee jumping. He just happened in that moment. And he was like, oh, no, no, that, that's too, no. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> reverse flying. I don't know what the reverse of flying is. Falling. So we hear a, a scream. And uh, we get another title card. Single drip of blood. Yes. And then Stefan and Elena wake up, intercut. Uh, We see them introspecting about (laughs) their feelings for each other and their excitement for the day. They're so excited to see each other again. And aren't you happy that they're not finishing each other's sentences this time? Yes, it's refreshing. Uh, (laughs) If only. (laughs) And then Elena leaves her bedroom and sees... Aunt Jenna getting all dolled up. She has to visit a parent-teacher conference for Jeremy. Would you take a 17-year-old's fashion advice about what looks most adult? No. Also, her hair looked way better down. (laughs) Also, for a parent-teacher conference, I feel like boozy housewife is a more appropriate look than sexy stewardess. Also, stewardess, is that's something people said in, like, the 60s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's weirdly outdated. I looked up the difference because, like, I guess at one time, flight attendants, well, now we call them, like, flight attendants, but they used to be, like, explicitly female between, like, 21 and 25. They had to have never been married or had kids. It was, like, very, like, Playboy Bunny kind of, the equivalent. And so stewardess is maybe not... Uh, that that's one of the reasons why we don't use that word anymore, I guess, is because it, it implied this other time. And so it's weird to see Elena use a word out of the 60s. I would expect this from the vampires, but not from her. Sure. And Elena asks, hey, where is Jeremy? And Jenna says that he had to go to school early go to, to finish a, a birdhouse and woodshop. <laughs> and it's a hilarious moment when she's just like, there's no woodshop. <laughs> but, you know, this time he's not making his way early to Drug Alley. He's going to visit Vicky. Yeah, he's very sweet. It's really sweet. Yeah. This hospital is horrible security. The, the nurse is telling him, like, oh, visiting hours aren't for another. I'm like, wow, where's the... <laughs> Did he just walk in there? The nurse also shouldn't be giving him any info on Vicky's health because he's not in the family. Do we expect any better from the Mystic Falls Hospital? <laughs> um, after that, we go back to history class, the only class that we ever get to see in uh, this show. Oh, and we're getting a lecture, my favorite thing, on the titular comet. Discovered nearly five centuries ago, it hasn't been over Mystic Falls in over 145 years. Nikki, I did a little math, which you know for me is a little bit odd. Like, something's wrong if I'm doing math. <laughs> but I, I subtracted 145 years from 2009, which is when this is placed and we end up with the date 1864 which was the date on the photo of Catherine that we saw last episode what a surprise what a shock (laughs) it's really nice how all the lectures that we get from Mr. Tanner just seem to align with the context of the episode if nothing else he's a really great plot device Mm, yeah really great exposition Mr. Tanner thank you so much um speaking of my point about cringe earlier 
Uh, my note in all capitals says, oh my god, stop staring at each other. <laughs> Mike, like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, have is this your first time being smitten with somebody in class? You don't stare like that at somebody in class. That's so fucking obvious. What are we doing? Also, Stefan, at least Stefan should know better. Mm. Like, Elena was, like, in, like, a high school relationship. She should also know better. But Stefan, ugh, I get you've been alone in a cave for a very long time, but, like, get it together. It's, like, it just, like, made me, like, almost angry at them. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Stop it. But Elena is so high on the oxytocin that even, like, getting tannered can't uh, affect her mood, her walk-on-sunshine mood, as we heard her say in the previous scene. Is the verb being to be tannered, is that is that our word of the day? It's funny because <laughs> you used the word smitten, and I was like, interesting. I don't know if you would have said that if Damon hadn't it later in the episode. And so I, I decided to use a word that Elena used that is not stewardess. Oh. So after this, they're in the hall, and what... I think has to be a Twilight reference. Right, because it's Wuthering Heights. Yeah. And Stefan vampsplains sexism to Elena in writing. <laughs> He's like, oh, it was really hard to be a female writer. And she's like, no way. And I'm like, it's still really hard. Actually, I looked it up and there is a study that shows, and it, it's a study that happened between 2002 and 2012. So it would have been relevant, especially at the time of this show. And it happened at Queens College SUNY. They compared over 2 million books. And the ones with identifiably female names sold at 45% less on average than the ones with identifiably male names. What a, it's real. What a disgusting yet not surprising statistic. Yeah, I'm surprised that Elena doesn't know it. Or maybe she does. She's just letting Stefan Vamp explain it to her because he's like... Mm. I don't know. I, I go back and forth of whether or not... This is going to sound harsh. Whether or not Elena's just kind of dumb. <laughs> Maybe because she stops paying attention in class just to stare at boys for, like, the whole lesson. Good point. She's she's high on her love drug, on the oxytocin that's bringing her back to life. Right. And, I mean, no spoilers to the future of the show, but I guess we'll see that um, Elena's education gets a little bit distracted for the last couple years of her high school experience, so. But at least she's learned that sexism is, uh, is a thing. Yay. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Yay, sexism. <laughs> In the school hallway, we also see Caroline and Bonnie. And Bonnie's like, my ancestors were these really cool Salem witch chicks. And she's, lo- I think Bonnie loves it. It just goes back to my theory that I think she really wants to believe, but she's undermining her story by saying that her grams was drunk when she told her. And Caroline does a call back to this later. Right. She says she was looped on the liquor. She's unknowingly yeah. setting Caroline up to disbelieve her as well later when Caroline makes a really inappropriate joke about this. You can tell it hurts Bonnie's feelings. But in Caroline's defense, she did give her this ammunition of being like, yeah, Grams was looped on the liquor. Whereas if Bonnie had been like, this is the thing that I really care about, I don't think Caroline would make that joke about it. But Caroline's really bad at subtlety, so, uh... She wishes she had Damon's name and number from last Yeah, time. and she didn't get his name and number. In her words, I don't know, I was drunk. <laughs> yeah. So then we go outside where Jeremy is on a mission. He storms up to Tyler to ask him how Vicky's doing. Has he visited? Like, how's she doing? And here's the thing. I know Jeremy's upset and he's channeling his anger, but I'm here for this moment because fuck Tyler. And like, I feel all of this indignant rage that Jeremy's feeling. And like, 
I get that part of it is like a, I'm better for her than you, which I don't care for. But also, like, I'm still here for <laughs> yeah. Jeremy saying the things that, like, I want to say to Tyler. Yeah. You know what I think would be a better thing, though, than threatening to uh, kill him? Mm. To report the assault that he witnessed yeah and intervened in uh but because he's a teenage boy he goes straight to i'll kill you yeah also like we'll see how that doesn't really get uh the attention that it needs to no one knows to take it seriously and i relate to that like as a teenager i don't think i had been given a lot a lot of good information about like what do you do if something like that happens i also don't think vicky would appreciate that i think vicky would right be very upset by that she would um she would also wild that tyler shows more restraint here than he did the night before right well tyler is smart actually in this scene and he is interested in eyewitness accounts this time because he turns to the girls next to him and he he's like you clocked that right like that was a death threat and she's the most background actress actress i've ever seen in my life she's like yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) i know watching the extras in this episode was actually really really fun for me and and we'll we'll get to some things (laughs) also this will come up i'm sure uh Bridget, can I I need to Google something real quick. Okay. So I had to look up where Stephen McQueen was from, and it says he's from LA, but this is not a Virginia accent. (laughs) Nobody has a Virginia accent in this show, but like sometimes the way that Jeremy talks, I'm like, are you from like somewhere east? Like, yeah. Well, he, he like you a... know that that actor is the the grandson of the famous Stephen McQueen. There's like a famous oh. movie star named Stephen McQueen, and and his name is yeah, he's his grandson. Yeah, oh, nepotism, la 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 la, LA's favorite thing. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just like the way like he speaks in this moment when he's just like dick or whatever, it just like yeah. makes me laugh. I know. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And then we go to the uh, lunch tables uh, where Matt, Elena, they're getting off the bus or something. And they're just like, you know, she's like, how is your sister? And um, I guess the weirdness of him professing his feelings for her in the last episode are just dropped because of the stakes of what's going on with Vicky. And so they're still not really talking about it, but but it's there. (laughs) Right. We do. They touch on it a little bit at the end, but we learn about... Vicky and Matt's mom a little bit mm-hmm. and we learned that she's you know absent um which can in some way explain a little bit about why both of her kids are the way that they are you yeah. know Matt like really looking for some connection with somebody and Vicky probably feeling like she's going to be abandoned yeah absolutely I drew, I drew those that connection too and and Matt, I think, is like the he's the more functioning of the two of them. Be, but like he's he's really trying his best in this scene, I think, to still be like, what's up with you and the new guy? Like he's th- this yes. is him trying to open up that thread. And speaking of the new guy, he's listening while he's reading some book casually on a picnic table. But we see that he's listening to their conversation. Um, and he happens to hear when Elena asks, hey, what did what animal did Vicky say attacked her? And then he says, she said it was a vampire, but he thinks that she was drunk. But obviously that is of interest to Stefan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see him Clearly. just like jolt up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, you know, Matt asks, hey, what's up, what's up with you and the new guy? And she says, 
mad the last thing i want to do is hurt which you. is a non-answer that's it's a non-answer that's not good i just be straight up be like you know we haven't defined anything but i'm interested in him right and you know matt before he can let that go further says you know what i'm i'm actually just gonna go back to the hospital and check on vicky yeah he drops the mic again whenever when things get vulnerable matt just like bolts yeah and then we go to Mr. Tanner's classroom where uh, Aunt Jenna is in a sort of like a PTA meeting or whatever. Um, parent-teacher conference, not PTA. <laughs> and he's really condescending to her. But I'm really glad that someone is telling Jenna what's going on with Jeremy. Like, I, I still love her <laughs> when she's like, she's like, six classes, are you sure? <laughs> like, that's kind of hard to do. <laughs> But also, like, fuck Mr. Tanner. Yeah. Because, like, you don't... The belittling shit is really annoying. It is. Like, oh, you're the kid's sister. No, I'm the younger sister. Like, is are, like, are there any other relatives in the picture? Could there be? Right. Hey, Tanner, fuck off. Like, there are better ways to have this conversation that aren't, like, antagonistic. Because, yeah, you're saying it's an impossible job, but, like, you're not giving her the benefit of helping her in this situation, you know? Like, you have to just immediately be like, you can't do it. Like, fuck you, Mr. Tanner. I wish Mr. Tanner had a first name that I knew about so I could not call him Mr. Tanner because he fucking <laughs> sucks. Just call him Tanner. Tanner. Looks like Jenna is really concerned about Jeremy, though. Like, she she genuinely had no idea uh, and you can tell in this. I like also that she doesn't get super offended um, when he condescends to her. Like, she's just like, younger sister. You know, like, she she's kind of used to it or whatever. Or she's just like, it, I don't know. Jenna's great. She, just, shit just, like, b- bounces off of her. And I think we see a little bit later that, you know, Jenna has more of a history that we don't know about yet. She's not a Zach, where she's just kind of <laughs> there, but we don't know anything about her. We get a little bit of, like, a... Like, when she's like, wait till you... Like, we find out that, you know, as the younger sister, she used to, like, smoke pot, too. And, like, she also t- talks about, like, holy oh, till you date somebody with mommy issues or, like, you know. I want a scene where Jenna and Zach run into each other at the Mystic Falls grocery store. <laughs> Just talk about life, you know. They go get a smoothie. They're like, how's your nephew? How's your yeah, nephew? Yeah, how's your troubled child? Support group for surrogate parents in Mystic Falls. <laughs> so, after this tanner moment after she gets tannered after she gets tannered yes we'll use our verbs um we see the hospital stefan is walking down the halls willy-nilly because this hospital has no security apparently or you know he is a vampire maybe he you know did something um but when he sees matt uh walking behind him he instinctively just like hides in the shadows like he's done it for the last over a century and then Vicky is like suddenly beside Matt, like he turns around. And, and you know what makes me feel like Nikki is that when people who are watching this show for the first time, they're wondering when she's going to turn into a vampire because she's been bitten. And like in some mythologies, that's all you need in order to become a vampire. And so we're like, oh, she's doing the instant appear, instant vanish game that Stefan's always pulling on Elena by accident. So, um, you know, she's the first person in the show who's been bitten and lived as far as we've seen. But she instead just has, like, a horrible, like, screaming PTSD episode, and Matt runs out to get a nurse. And then Stefan vamps inside, and he uses hypnosis on Vicky to forget what attacked her in the woods. Oh, hey! Hey, Nikki! Remember when Stefan said that memories are too important, and so he's got to write everything down to not forget them? Hmm. Yeah. And then Matt comes in, and the nurse is like, she seems fine. And I'm like, your security is horrible! Yeah. Matt 
like sees Stefan and so he starts following Stefan and in kind of a comedic moment Stefan like trying to get away walks into a room full of blood <laughs> but also I just want to say like Matt we've got like detective Matt here and I hate it because he is a dumb jock yeah. don't tell me any different I love it I'm like he's not very good at it but look at him trying he's like in the room with Vicky and he turns around in this moment of like I've got a hunch. He just like walks out of the room for no yeah. reason. I don't know. Maybe his spidey senses are tingling. He's a dormant, you know, Spider-Man or something. Lame, lame Spider-Man. 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 <laughs> okay. Do you think that um, this would have been better if Stefan had just been like, hey, Matt, I'm here giving blood? I think that I thought this is an entire episode. And the one big thing that I took away from episode two, Night of the Comet, is I didn't really remember much about this episode. It's not super memorable. It's a very filler episode. I was thinking that, like, when you think about the pilot and everything that happened in the pilot, this is very much like... It's not really following up on a lot of the stuff that happened. Like, we just get, like, a little tiny bit of Bonnie being like, yeah, same reference. But you're like, okay. And then Stefan and Elena just have, like, a misunderstanding. And, like, it's like, okay. They do, like, a will we, won't we. This is much more about Vicky, really. Um, and and uh, again, I hate that she's like the the real victim of the episode. Her and Caroline eventually, which we'll get to that. Um, yeah. But it but in the meantime, Stefan doesn't take our very good suggestions, and he takes the window, which is very exciting. But we don't get to see it. I want to see him land like a cat. Superhero landing from Deadpool. Yeah. But speaking of Caroline, <laughs> Bonnie, Caroline, and Elena are at a table downtown. And they're chatting. Yeah, they're outside in the Mystic Falls Square, it seems like. Yeah. Bonnie's talking about how Graham says that the comet is a sign for impending doom. And then Caroline makes a comment about, and then you pour Graham's another shot. Now we're getting a little bit of, like, why they don't like Caroline. Because she's being very mean girls in this. Um, And, like, she's, like, not a safe person for them to share stuff with, it seems like. Also, it's weird because... The way this conversation's structured for this episode, she's like, so then what? Like, they were in the middle of talking about Elena and Stefan, and then Bonnie was like, and then Graham said that the comment. And I'm like, what? What is happening in this conversation? What do you mean, and then what? Like, And Caroline just, just being, like, jumping onto, like, the sex topic. Um, I think she's projecting her own impulsivity to jump Damon's bones onto, like, wanting to hear about what happened with Stefan and Elena. I mean, I personally think it's great yeah. that they just talked all night and just got to know each other. I mean, in my in my opinion, relationships should be built on a foundation of friendship. Yeah. I think that's great. When I first watched this, I didn't realize that they meant like that night when he went into her home, they talked all night. <laughs> because then she's later like, oh, he doesn't have my phone number. Like, oh, he, you literally like in person talked all night. Like, And then she woke up in the morning like, I'm so excited to see him again. And she rushes off to do just that, I guess. Because when she's like, I got to do what I started the day saying I was going to do. And I was like, just like, see him. You've already done that. I don't know. Yeah, but she takes a little bit of Caroline's energy, you know, that she she's kind of been fighting herself in this episode of like, yeah, I should do this thing, but also like, maybe not. But like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then Caroline's kind of like pushing of like. Yeah, when Elena's like, Caroline's right. Caroline looks up like, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, cool. <laughs> and then we go to uh, the Gilbert kitchen where Jenna's cooking up some nachos and stuff. Oh, I'm so excited for those nachos. And she shows that she can really take charge in here. She says, hey, you, come sit. And I like that. My favorite part is her being like, it's a ruse. I want to talk. 
I will use that with my children in real life. Like, just being like, it's a ruse. I want to talk. Love that. I love it. It's really good. And then when it doesn't work, she does, like, she's like, you, come sit. (laughs) Yeah. And then she goes in for the relatable approach where she's like, I've been in your shoes, but it didn't last. That's just not what Jeremy wants to really hear right now. And, um... I don't know. What I see in this scene is that Jeremy can be reached and she just needs to go for a different approach. Yeah. It seemed like he was like about to like listen. I think he feels like everyone is making it a bigger deal than it is. And it's kind of pushing him away. And also there's no one that's safe to share it with. Like he can't talk about like, this is why I'm doing it. Or like, this is what, this is how it's helping me. Or like, I don't want to feel these other feelings. Like he, he's not given the opportunity to talk about himself ever. People are just like, lecturing him and throwing things at him like you should do this we're judging this you should be doing this and there's people are shooting all over him you know yeah (laughs) so in the middle of her relatability spiel uh jeremy just slips out the door and leaves yeah and jenna's like (laughs) (laughs) and then we go back to the hospital with the worst security ever and uh speaking of uh manipulating people into talking with food vicky throws her jello at matt Wake up. <laughs> There's a lot of throwing food in this episode. You know what? Kayla Yule reminds me a bit of Anna Kendrick in this scene. Yeah, I could see that. I will also add that before we see Jeremy and her talking privately, in a very rare moment of emotional intelligence, Matt notices there's something going on. He's like, I'll give you a minute and leaves. Matt Donovan, what is this? I know, he's evolving. This moment is interesting because there are bits where it is sweet, you know, when Jeremy's like, yeah, I carried you out of the woods. And it's like, no, look at her. And like, they're so cute. But also moments I really, really don't like when Vicky's talking about people get suspicious or whatever. Jeremy's like, you'll have to get over that. Like Tyler's starting to show some interest. He's like, yeah, you'll have to get over that too. Uh, yucking a bit controlling. We don't like that. Hard pass on that, Jer. I think he's trying to be, like, stop being so, like, insecure about what people are going to think. But he doesn't say it like that. He's he's very, he's very teen boy. I'll kill you. Stop thinking that. Yeah. 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 Don't lecture me about drugs. (laughs) But she does, he does make her laugh. And that is nice to see after all of the shit that Vicky has gone through. Yeah. Speaking of all the shit that Vicky's gone through, um, when she says, don't tell anybody about us, Tyler's starting to show some interest. I was like, maybe Stefan knocked some other memories loose when he used mind control on her because sexual assault does not mean that someone's like interested in you. Yeah. That was like the last time she saw Tyler. That was the last time she saw him. Yeah, maybe. I never thought about it that way. I just thought of it as Vicky has doesn't have a good model to base loving romantic intimacy off of but also we that that's a very real possibility that i never considered even if vicky still hasn't processed it when jeremy's all like tyler isn't concerned about you because he's not visiting you in the hospital I'm like, he doesn't care about you because last yeah. night uh, you were crying and pleading when I came in for him to stop. You know what I mean? Like, th- uh, yeah, I guess teenagers just it's really hard to have the vocabulary to talk about it. But I'm like, I'm not concerned that Tyler's not coming to visit her in the hospital. I'm like, you know, that's not what's wrong here. Yeah, I think that the show 
wanted to have this moment to be like, look, Tyler's a bad guy, but they didn't really follow through on the weight of it. Yes. And then they were like, oh, let's just pretend this didn't happen. Oh my God. You know? Yeah. Thank you for voicing that because we'll see that that comes up later where like it's, it's mentioned at the grill, but we'll get there and no one follows up on yeah. it. Yeah. They treat it almost like it's like a naughty, naughty, that's not a thing you should do, and not like an actual crime that makes him a really vile human being. And then Vicky says, I'm older than you, which is true, and that Matt and Elena would freak, which is also true. But I think they share a really touching moment when he's all like, I'm the one who found you and carried you out of the woods. And he, she, you see Vicky really have this like, thank you, like genuine moment of, and I... I was like, (laughs) I have a lot of feelings about this scene. Like, it it repulses me. It makes me angry. But I'm also like, (laughs) they're cute. It was a bit of a roller coaster on this scene for me, too. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of dynamics. A lot of stuff going on. Very layered. But you can also see that, like, similar to Elena, but in a different path, Jeremy is happy when he's with her. And it's because it's giving him something else to focus on. Yeah, if uh, if Jeremy and Elena maybe opened up more to each other about their feelings, maybe they'd find that they have very similar ways of coping with the death of their parents. Wild. Speaking of Elena. Yes, yeah, speaking of Elena, she rings the old-timey bell on the old Salvatore boarding house. I love their house. I love old-timey bells. Yeah, I love their house, too. But also, like a fucking horror movie, the door just opens on its own. You know, people, if you ever go up to a spooky house, right, and you ring the doorbell and the door, or you, like, go to knock and the door just opens, uh, leave uh, or call out from outside... You know, there are, I guess she doesn't have her phone number, but like Caroline probably does. Caroline could find it. The sleuth. Caroline the sleuth. We don't just go in the house, you know. Also, where the fuck is Zach? What's happening? You know, and also, Nikki, even if it's not a spooky house, even if it's just like your house and you get home and the door is inexplicably open, do not go in there. Just call the police and be like, my door is, you know, and I mean, uh, yeah, because that's, that could be a sign of a break in and that's not okay. Real talk though, if you are ever going to your home and the door is open or you know that it was locked and it is no longer locked, it's never a bad idea to just call and have somebody check it out first. It's probably not going to be Crow Paul Wesley in there. Flying through and then Damon gaslighting her into thinking the door was open. But, Bridget, we get our first Damon Elena scene. And it's my turn to go <laughs> I know that this is so, again, so layered. So many dynamics going on. But when she turns around and he's done, he's done his vamp appear thing... Um, I got, like, very turned on at how close his face was to her face. I was just like, oh, Oh, yeah, hello. (laughs) He knows exactly what he's doing, right? Like, we were wondering if if Stefan in the last episode was purposely doing the, like, oh, you're going this way, oh, you're going that Mm -hmm. way thing. There's no question in this moment that Damon's doing all of the possible things he could be doing. So Damon leads her into their parlor, their sitting room, whatever. Yeah, and there are a lot of lamps. So many, so many lamps. <laughs> and he says it's a little kitschy for his taste. But, there are a uh, lot of rugs, a lot of antique furniture going around. And no borders, which makes sense, I guess. <laughs> no. It's almost like a vampire could live there. <laughs> two. But uh, pretty much immediately, David's like, I know why my brother's so smitten. Like, mm. Using that old-timey vamp language. Does this, does that, like, as the first 
like real full conversation starter. Take your feelings of Damon aside. Okay. That's a wild, weird thing to say to somebody. <laughs> In 2009, if your, like, crush's older brother was like, I can see why. Like, you would be like, yuck. Thanks. I mean, you're handsome, so maybe not yuck. But also, like, I don't know you. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true that, true that. I think he's he's making up for it by being, like really funny in a way like when he's right. like he's like Stefan's not one to brag I was like he, he I mean he had me yeah. giggling like every other line oh absolutely but he also feels the need to drop this little nugget of uh you know about his ex Catherine who was his girlfriend who nearly destroyed him um but you know he probably didn't mention anything because he didn't want you to think that he was on the rebound also a fun little double meaning because you know he's been paying attention so he knows Elena's on the rebound yeah so he's Ooh. like oh those relationships never work so he's putting that in her head um oh. but then you know he's a fatalist and he does his little fun little eyebrow thing and he's also <laughs> compliments it with humor so he's you know oh you haven't had the awkward ex's conversation yet he's like "Ooh, well i'm sure it'll come up now and i i you know now that i'm viewing this through like a catherine lens i think ma- like maybe damon genuinely does believe that stefan's on the rebound from catherine you know, and that his brother doesn't have the best intentions. Like, I know we're very familiar with Stefan being like, Damon doesn't have the best intentions. But maybe Damon really is like, Stefan doesn't have the best intentions. I mean, can you blame him? She looks just like Catherine. Absolutely. Like, and he's been in a cave for the last hundred years. So we, he, she might be the last girl he's ever dated. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure, it might have been in 1864. But like, he's been in a cave. Has he even met another female? <laughs> And then, we don't know yet. And then Stefan comes in and... Uh, Ruins are fun. Yeah, he has horrible social skills. God. I mean, I get oh it God. because he doesn't want to play into Damon's game of like, we're happy-go-lucky brothers. Have a fun time with us. I mean, he, But it's so awkward. Yeah, but he's really... He can't get past the fact that like he thinks Elena's in danger and that Damon's presence is like really sinister. But I just wish he'd offered to like walk her home or something. That would have been appropriate. Or not stood in the fucking hallway like a creeper. What is he doing? Or not said goodbye and just like yeah. stood aside for her to go. And you could see her be like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, meanwhile, Damon's like <laughs> kissing her hand and like... Being the suave man that we know that he is. He offers to get out some home movies. And then as soon as Elena leaves, Damon says, she's a great gal. She's got spunk. And this is the first time he's the one to mention for the first time that they have the powers of persuasion. That's the first thing that we've heard that called, the powers of persuasion. And, you know, we we also find out that those powers of persuasion are limited because he's not eating people. Um, which us as the audience are then like, oh, what's going to happen with Vicky then? And Stefan's all, how long was Elena here? And I'm like, well, maybe you could have asked her that yourself and walked her home. Thank you very much. Okay. Damon says, were you scared? Were you afraid that we were doomed to repeat the past? And then that makes us think, okay, what happened with Catherine between the the two of you then? Like, is that what this is about? And the brothers are going like, no, you're playing a game. No, you're playing a game kind of moment. It's like, what game are you playing? What game are you playing? And then we go to the Gilbert kitchen. Elena and Jenna are hanging out in the kitchen and Elena's fixing a nice big bowl of ice cream, which, you know, I get it, girl. I like that uh, Elena explains him as saying he's on the rebound. He has raging family issues. Elena, pot kettle. Hey, pot kettle. Elena, 
Elena. <laughs> That's true, but also I'm kind of surprised at how to heart she's just taken what Damon said about the ex-girlfriend. They've like, talked for like a day. Come on. Maybe just ask? That's true. She could ask, but like even more than like the weird Catherine comments, I think Elena should be struck by the fact that Stefan just shut down without an explanation and he had, apparently just had horrible social skills and like kind of like a Gemini just like flipped you know, yeah. his persona, like, re- because he was probably very, like, warm and forthcoming when he was with her. When they talked all night, he was probably very talkative. And then now yeah. he's just, like, shut down. So that's, to me, what stands out more. And Stefan so did explain yeah. when they asked if he had any siblings. He said, none that I speak to. If Elena was maybe smarter than I think that she is, she would maybe put A and B together and realize, hey, Stefan said he wasn't close to his siblings, he didn't talk to them, and now all of a sudden his brother is here. Maybe they don't get along, and maybe I should have some hesitancy about the things that he says about his brother. And meanwhile, uh, Jeremy comes home, and this actor, Stephen McQueen, does a great stoner impersonation without overdoing it. He looks baked, you know? Yeah. And it's funny. And even though it's serious, like, I love this scene. I think it's funny. Me too. I love it. it's so, like, just real, you know? Like, he's just a high teenager. And he comes in and, you know, Jenna's like, what are you doing? And he's like, yeah, Jenna, we get it. You were cool once. And that's that's cool. (laughs) And Jenna takes a page out of Vicky's book and gets Jeremy's attention by throwing an apple at him. (laughs) And he's like, why, why, why did you do that? (laughs) Parental authority. I like it. Sleep tight. My, one of my favorite lines. <laughs> when she says she's going to ground him, uh, how's she going to do that if he can just leave the house whenever he wants, which he's already proven he can do? She has no idea what to do. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's trying a new approach here, but it, it just doesn't work. And we go back to Vicky in the hospital, and we see she's she's not doing as good as she was last time we saw her. And now we, we know that Stefan's persuasion isn't working very well she's having nightmares where she looks into the mirror and she sees damon and then she goes back into the room where matt who's sleeping on the chair turns into damon and then she wakes up from the nightmare which is really really scary yeah it is and i i when i first watched this i thought that it wasn't a dream and that she was but i don't know like we're still we're like people are screwing with her mind and i i really feel for vicky yeah and then we go to the event number two. Yes, event, event number, number two. two. Event number two. The second event of Mystic Falls. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, the night of the comet. Kids are a hula hooping. Adults are a picnicking. Artists are face painting. And Bonnie and Elena are handing out programs. Um, Nikki. <laughs> but you know Caroline Ford's printed. Yes, but what do you think those programs say? Look at the sky. Here's the comet. Uh, maybe like experience. A bed of paranormal activity at 7.30. 8.30, impending doom. 9 p.m., join us for bloodshed and carnage. Enjoy! But Bonnie made the, Bonnie made the flyers. Yeah. But in this moment, uh, Elena's kind of doubting her and Stefan's connection. She's saying, you know, we didn't. it's kind of weird timing. We didn't even get to the calling or texting phase. And Bonnie's kind of pushing her a little bit, you know? She's she's kind of like, yeah. did you really try? Did you really put yourself out there? I don't like this. I don't really either. I like it because it serves the point that I want it to serve, which is like fucking talk to him. But also like, right. it, it seems a little like weird. <laughs> like the way she explains it is a little bit just odd. Like you wouldn't. I don't know. This is one of those examples of like the writing for the dialogue in this episode is just kind of weird to me in some moments. Yeah. 
You know, if, yeah, that's true. I feel like Bonnie does have some reasons to be like, why don't you just ask him like what you're saying? But honestly, like if a friend of mine said, I'm not ready, if you said to me, I'm not ready to like date again after a traumatic event, I would just trust you to know yourself. And I'd be like, good on you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna be like everyone's got an excuse. (laughs) Like what? Yeah. But also like the writing. This is very much like teenagers. They just want to date and have sex with each other. That's that's it. (laughs) Right. And speaking of which, Caroline. Oh my God. But wait. Before she does her like little thing with David, this is a moment. Um. On extra watch on the Vampire Diaries, there's a guy in the background. He's like a popcorn machine vendor guy, and he's standing behind her. In one shot, he's got his sunglasses on, and in the next shot, they're hanging on his shirt, and he's looking like right at her. And I was like, <gasps> maybe he's a vampire, you know? Now you see my sunglasses, now you don't. I whip him off at record speed. I did notice him because I was like, oh, he looks like he's checking out Caroline. And I was like, oh, Caroline, you should go talk to him because he's probably not as horrible as Damon. Yeah, he's got popcorn. He's got popcorn. Go where the popcorn is. Maybe we could also try (laughs) chatting with somebody for like 10 minutes first. (laughs) Just like a couple minutes. (laughs) And we see her smile at Damon, whom she recognizes from the night before. And you know what I realized? I think he's probably staring at Elena if we're being realistic. Absolutely. Because because when she starts to walk confidently over to introduce herself, he disappears because he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, and because he's like looking like a creeper. Like, he's not, like, trying to be sweet, fun Damon. He's like, uh, I gotta go bro around with the popcorn vending vampire. We're, we're gonna have a grand old time. A grand old time, I mean. Whipping our sunglasses on and off. I'm gonna eat him and then dispose of his body. So we cut over to Zach and Stefan chatting about Damon. Zach is always talking to Stefan when he's changing his shirt. I don't understand this. He's like... a busy man, you know? <laughs> he's either at work or Stefan's brooding somewhere. He's got to catch him while he can. So Stefan is buttoning up his shirt and Zach's all like, why did Damon come home? And Stefan's like, exposition. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, because I started a game of follow the leader back in the Civil War and he just won't stop. He's promised me an eternity of misery. God, Zach, catch up. Yeah. Come on, Zach. Zach asks, is she worth it? This girl you came home for? I've been reading your diary and uh, I was just wondering <laughs> if she's worth it. I'm still in the 80s, though. Uh, <laughs> did you ever find that uh, that lizard that wandered into the cave? H- how's your mouse friend? It's really getting compelling. And then Stefan puts on a leather jacket over a button-down shirt. Is that a thing? I don't think that's an outfit. It sure is for Angel from Buffy. Maybe he just wants to look a little more like Angel. Button up? A button up? I guess so. Anyway, we go to the grill. Aw, oh, yeah. Get me an order of fries. But Vicky is still in pain. Yeah, and Vicky's boss sounds like an asshole. For the pain, Jeremy gives her something with an O in it. And he wants to watch the comet with her. And he's so cute. Yeah, it's sweet. Because she's like, I could be convinced. Um, and we see as they're chatting, um, we see Tyler watching from the distance. And then he comes over. To say, you know, what's up, Vic? How you doing? And she says, like you care. Hell yes, Vicky. Jeremy's all like, my plan yeah. is working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my girl. Um, but th- I-, I think this is weirdly out of character here. Because personally, I think he should react like Stefan does whenever Damon comes around towards Tyler. Like, which is just like shutting down. Like, after making a death threat and witnessing the assault of the girl that you like, yeah. you know, I just think he would be a little bit less like, hey, I win. But I I don't know. 15-year-olds, dude. I see like a, like a stoic, like angry face with like a nose flare. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can yeah, see him doing yeah. that. But we go back to the comet. Woo! 
nighttime comet celebration on that uh on that little itinerary thing along with impending doom there was a moment <laughs> about lighting candles or something i guess because this is like a vigil for some reason <laughs> and yeah. so uh, elena in, in a very ham ham fisted in a very ham handed what's the saying ham fisted i think it is ham handed <laughs> whatever way um we see Elena lighting Matt's candle, and then she turns away and lights a stranger's candle, and it stiffens, and she looks back at Matt, and then walks a little bit forward, where they form a literal triangle. Oh, shit! Shapes. And you know that somewhere in the crowd, there are some theater kids that are reenacting that scene from Rent. Will you light my <laughs> Absolutely, there are. Absolutely. It would be me. I would be doing that. So Stefan walks up to Elena, and... <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's like, did you know that 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 comet's been all alone for a thousand years? Hey, Stefan, can you imagine? <laughs> Stefan, can you imagine being all alone for so long? What's funny, though, is that, too, she, like, awkwardly turns away from him, and it seems like she doesn't want him to follow her. And when he whispers into her ear, Nina Dobrev has this, like, acting moment of, like, oh, shit, he's right behind me. <laughs> I love it. And he's all like, let me tell you about that comet, you know? Uh, for centuries, yeah. it's been hiding in the shadows all over the world, so cold and lonely, with a tenuous relationship with its older brother. Please don't be mad at it. It's almost like the comet is a metaphor. He apologizes. He says, I wasn't myself. Uh, and Elena says, you spend a lot of time apologizing. Do you understand why she says you spend a lot of time apologizing? Literally, what else has he apologized for? He apologized when he, like, dipped out and then, like, oh. came back and then, like... Okay, so he's apologized twice in yeah, I don't know. a couple days. Maybe he... Maybe I don't he... Think... I don't know. It's it's so they can set up the moment where he says, I have a lot to apologize for. So the audience can go, ooh, what has Zephan done? Because he seems like such a good guy and he's been alone for a hundred years. So like, what could he possibly have done? And I guess there's the subtext of like Elena being really just uncomfortable and wanting, you know, wanting a reason to not go for it. And she like won't make eye contact with him. Elena brings up Catherine and she says that Damon said that she broke your heart. I love Paul Wesley's acting here. I think it's so yeah. beautiful. He has this whole story in his eyes and we don't even know what it is yet. And we're just like, whoa, something really did happen. Stefan says that it was a long time ago. And Elena says that things are too complicated right now. Um, and she says, you know, we met, we talked and it was epic. I wonder what they talked about. Like, what did they talk about all night? You know, it doesn't feel like they really bonded because it's like, I'm confused about what the foundation of this weird dynamic is now i mean maybe they just talked about wuthering heights and how female authors you know get the brunt of the wage gap if they don't use male pen names but i don't know but elena ends the moment by blowing out her candle and walking away my candle's out and we all go oh we're in the won't they part of the will they won't they and then we flip over to the grill and in to my, my favorite scene of the episode in, in uh, my notes i actually just wrote demo which i now just want to uh. call him so Vic no, and Damo hang out. You are not allowed to call him Damo. I refuse. I will walk out. I will leave. But Vicky <laughs> goes up. She sees Damon drinking at the bar. And she says, I know you. And he says, well, that's unfortunate. Do you think that he's saying it's unfortunate because he knows that Stefan tried to erase her memory and that's unfortunate for him that like he doesn't remember? Or do you think it's unfortunate because he knows who he is as a person and that it's unfortunate to know who, who Damon is? 
I think it's both. You you have a beautifully layered read of that. Absolutely, it's both. This scene, the acting is so good and so subtle. Kayla Yule is such a good actor. It's so good. I, I love the subtle, like, crying that she does of, like, it reminds me almost of, like, you know, someone who's been, like, drugged and assaulted and just like seeing the person and being like I know you right. and I have a bad feeling about him like my body has a bad feeling about it but like and, and that's really what it feels like is that she can't remember what happened to her and she was attacked by this guy just yeah and she goes and she leaves and she goes to the bathroom Ugh. where Damon attacks her again yeah he jumps her and then we go back to the mystic grill um, where this is one of those rare moments where everyone's in a room all together without any vampires present and Elena and uh, Tyler are sitting next to each other which is like a weird I'm like what do you two have to talk about weird grouping I know I thought that too I was like what the fuck is this Jeremy's looking for Vicky and Tyler outs Jeremy as being a drug dealer calls him a pill pusher mm-hmm. and Jeremy outs Tyler as being a perpetrator of sexual assault but Tyler's like, oh, he's just being a punk. And they all buy it. Caroline's like, Vicky Donovan with you. Jeremy says, you know, she already did over and mm. over. And Jesus Christ. This moment, Bridget, if you could see my face. I know you love watching my reactions when I watch things. <laughs> my fucking. I'm looking at you right now and your your hands, your, he- your head is in your hands. Like, <laughs> I was just, this is like the biggest cringe of this whole episode because I'm just so uncomfortable this whole time. And he's now Nikki is holding her throat like, oh, dear God, (laughs) (laughs) just like he's like she did over and over. I'm like, yikes. And I didn't even have to force her into it. Oh, (gasps) what the fuck? Also, like what's wild to me is the lack of reaction for everybody in this moment. Right. It's odd to me that no one picks up on it. Like you said, it's the it's the show. It's the show's writers and the producers, like, wanting to have a reason to make him a bad guy and then yeah. not following up on the gravity of that. Right. And Elena is obviously, obviously, in, in this show's world of logic, the thing she's most angry about is Jeremy selling pills, which is fair. That's a bad thing to be doing. Yeah. But she confronts him, and I fucking hate this moment because she's just like... She, they, she makes therapy seem like the worst thing in the world. I know, a stranger. She's just like, do you want me to, like, yeah, make you go to therapy or go to rehab? Will you have to tell some stranger, you'll have to talk to some stranger about your problems? You know, talking to a stranger about your problems is a lot easier than talking to your older sister about problems. <laughs> that's true, that's true. But you know what? She is laying out, like, some realistic options, even though she's doing it with a weird stigma. Aunt yeah. Jenna should be the one laying out what their possible options are. Like, yeah. she should be the one having this conversation. And it sucks again that Elena's parenting her brother. Ah. Yeah. We both think that therapy is fucking fantastic. And I do not agree with Elena stigmatizing it in this scene. And it's really important to say that, like, I mean, obviously, I've, I've been saying, why aren't they in therapy for a long time? And she's like, you talk to a stranger. And I think that's like an old timey stigma now. I, I am hoping that it's getting more mainstream to care about your mental health. Yeah, absolutely. So we see Matt and Stefan together. Where Matt- This is this episode's version of... And you just happen to be hanging around in a cemetery. Yeah. Absolutely. But Matt isn't goo goo gaga for Stefan like Elena is, so it just doesn't work when he was like, oh, I was visiting this time. <laughs> Same excuse, two episodes. We could have come up with a better excuse, Stefan. We actually did come up with a better excuse, Stefan. We did. I was there to give blood. 
or I was there to get a checkup. Anything. Anything. There are a lot of normal reasons to be in the hospital. We get a good moment with Matt where he... Because he obviously is wary of Stefan, which, like, from his perspective, he has a good reason to be. And he says, you know, Elena and I might not be together now, but I'll look out for her. I'll always look out for her. And I love that moment. Yeah. I think Stefan has a lot of respect for Matt in that moment. There's a little bit of, like, old chivalry in that nod that he gives him where he's like, yes, I respect that. We have the same priority. Yeah. But in in that moment, Stefan hears Damon really messing with vicky torturing vicky yeah i mean he's he's i mean i i really do now see this as like torture what he's doing to yeah. her like trying you know saying like i'm gonna drop you off the roof oh don't worry you know and he's and he's being this is a moment where that thing that we love about damon where he's so like Playful. but then when it's like in tandem with this thing that is like life-threatening is makes him like chilling and i'm truly like i Ah, yeah. this scene hurts me. I don't like it. I hate that Vicky's being used as a pawn in in this weird dynamic between Damon and Stefan, you know, but he did pick the perfect victim for his plot because we might argue, you know, who would believe her if she said that Stefan is a vampire attacked her. But then again, we've already seen that Matt is very suspicious of him and loves Elena, obviously. And so Damon really picked the right person to target in a weird way. Stefan joins them on the roof. Damon tries to force Stefan to kill Vicky, um, where he compels her to think that it was Stefan that attacked her. And he, you know, kind of leads him to be like, you have two options. Either you let her go and she goes running and screaming mm-hmm. about vampires or you kill her. Stefan's like, that's what this is about. You want to expose me? And I love this moment from Damon. He's like, no, I want you to remember who you are. Right. And then Stefan gets to the bottom of it. He's like, no, you just want to be brothers again. You want to remember what it's like to have that in common. And it's almost like Stefan is saying, I've grown and you haven't. Right. And and Stefan just starts dry heaving, like, because Damon strategically rips off Vicky's stitches and just puts the blood, like, right in front of him. Stefan just says, you know what, go ahead. Let them tie me up. Let them drive a stake through my heart. You know, let Mystic Falls know that vampire or that vampires have returned to Mystic Falls, which is fascinating to learn that little bit where it's like, ooh, there is a rich history here. And then he says, because at least then I'll be free of you. And then Dave was like, huh, wow. Like, that's a lot. Okay, dramatic. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's truly awful to see Vicky in pain in the scene and to see Damon not care. But again, like his levity is everything. Right. Like it, it creates all the layers here. And it's just it's it's fantastic. Even though Kayla Yule is just like yeah. pulling on my heartstrings and I'm like. <laughs> it's that moment, too, of remembering that, like, from Damon's perspective, from a lot of vampires perspectives, human life is nothing. Right. Like, it means nothing. Like if this girl lives or dies and like how upset she is until she dies means absolutely nothing to him. Yeah. But then but then we have this and I don't know if this is an Ian Summerhalder choice, but I kind of hope it is because it's fantastic. The choice that he makes to go over to her and be like, come here, sweetheart. And all of a sudden he's super gentle with her and he's compelling her to forget, you know, but just really strong acting choices there right for him to, to to be like i don't care about her life but also come here sweetheart like he's showing that he has so many colors in him damon does you know right. so much more than we've seen from stefan so far yeah and he can pals her to think that she just took some pills and you know 
Stefan asks when she leaves, Damon, what are you up to? <laughs> Damon says, that's for me to know and for you to dot, dot, dot. So after his giveling of my best, uh, we hop back to the grill. Oh, Nikki, wait a second. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm just, uh, I'm hearing something outside. Oh, okay. It's weird. It sounds like, it sounds, it sounds like a crow. Is Crow Paul Wesley visiting you? Crow Paul Wesley? What are you doing here? He's so handsome. Oh, he's offering me his leg. It's got the the tiniest little scroll attached to it. Oh my god. Let me just let me just untie this and and read it out. Nikki, it has your name on it. Oh my god. Thanks, Crow Paul Wesley. Oh, Crow Paul Wesley, you're the best. Give our best to you, Brooke, okay? You did get the wrong address, but okay, it's fine. Alright. It says oh, kind of messy handwriting. Looks a little erratic. Dear Nikki. I've been really trying to push my brother to drink human blood. He's not nearly as strong like this, and it's unnatural. My methods haven't worked so far. Any thoughts? Damon! Oh, Damon. Oh, Damon. Here's the thing. I think that this is going to require some subtlety. Um, You've been doing some big swings here with the whole, here's a girl, and she's either going to run and scream, or you're going to have to kill her. And I don't know if that's the right approach to this. Um, have you considered microdosing him without his consent or knowledge? Because if you <laughs> had a little file of human blood and you could just like in some of your whiskey bottles, just little drops here and there, you know, and he can't know that you're anywhere near those bottles because he won't drink. It'll be suspicious. But like just a little bit of just a little bit, you know, he might. He might start ingesting it and not realizing, and he just gets stronger, and it, it avoids all of the, like, whatever's going on. We don't know if it's, like, his, his morals or his conscious of, like, why he won't be drinking human blood, but then his conscious can be free of, he didn't kill anybody, you killed somebody, and he doesn't need to know where it came from, he doesn't even need to know that he's drinking it, but this could be a very good opportunity for you to make him stronger, and maybe eventually, and I'm, this, is a, this is a long game here, right? We're, we're talking long game, <laughs> long con. This is gonna need to take, like, years of you just, like, slowly building up this dosage, but... You can stay busy doing other things, you know? You can't just all of a sudden be, like, good brother, because then he won't re- he'll, he'll know something's up. But continue doing what you're doing. Meanwhile, do this tactic, and it'll make him stronger, and eventually, maybe, he'll uh, take a little nibble out of someone's neck. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> uh, sincerely, Nikki. Hope it works. All right. <laughs> I just had this thought of, like, if I was Damon, this is what I would be doing. We gotta work smarter, not harder, Damon. So back to the grill, where um, we see Matt taking care of Vicky, and it makes me like him more. I actually have a little bit more respect for Matt in this episode, because he's able to, like, check his ego in this moment and really thank Stefan uh, for helping her. Yeah. Um, and Stefan gives him another, yeah. I'm chivalrous, and from the 1800s nod. And then we see Caroline and Bonnie at a table. <laughs> where Ugh. Caroline's being annoying in this episode again. Yeah, she's, she's like, like, ugh, so much drama. Yeah. Ever notice how uh, the druggies get all the attention? They're like, yeah, she calls them the biggest attention whores. Mm, I don't like that. And then Bonnie's like, yeah. And and I'm okay. like, Caroline, let's uh, let's be a little bit kinder to the person who was just attacked in the woods the other night and just got out of the hospital and clearly has a rough home life. Okay. So what's wrong with wanting attention, Caroline Forbes? Have you met yourself? But Stefan walks up to the table. Yes. And Bonnie is the best wing woman as always. And she gives him Elena's phone number and email. And as she's passing him the sheet of paper, 
she touches his hand and is like, what happened to you? And I'm like, what? Yeah. What did you see? I want to know what you saw. What? Right. What? Yeah. She's just like, she has like a vision or something. And she's like, what happened to you? And then she excuses herself. She's like, that's, oh my God, that is so rude. And then, <laughs> you know, she doesn't understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Caroline just like, she wigs out sometimes. It's just like a thing. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's what not. Fuck? It's really not. Or, or is she just trying to be cool in front of Stefan? Like, she's like, oh, I'm in the yeah, know. That just happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know. Because, yeah, the, these premonitions are very new. Unless she's been doing it for a long time since they were a kid and Bonnie has always had premonitions. Right, but no maybe. vampires were around, so it was never anything bad. So then we cut from that moment back to the Gilbert residence where Aunt Jenna is going through Jeremy's room. and Elena's Hypocrite th- patrol. I, lo- I yeah. love her. She just comes right out. She's like, I don't want to be doing this. And I, I don't want to be searching his room, but I am. And she's... <laughs> She's yeah. doing a funny stoner voice of like, discover the impossible, Miss Summers. And I'm like, oh, you and Elena have the same stoner voice. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> but I love Jenna in this moment, even though like yeah. I don't necessarily agree with some of her tactics and some of her yeah. like venting onto her 17-year-old niece. I, know. Uh, I have a lot of compassion for her in this scene because she's, the weight of things are kind of building up to her where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm screwing up. And, like, I know I'm screwing up and I don't know what to do. Yeah, and, she has and a lot we've of... seen her try. She's really yeah. tried a lot of different tactics yeah. in this episode alone. Yeah, and she's, you know, she's comparing herself to her older sister, who we haven't really heard much about. We haven't yeah. heard much about Elena and Jeremy's parents. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's not great for her to be doing all this to her 17 year old niece but you know i'm like don't you have some like friends that are your age that you could be venting to but that's fine i know or she should be in therapy as well i just think well. everyone should be in therapy so that's just me <laughs> that ship um, has sailed <laughs> on everybody, <laughs> on everybody yeah there are no therapists and no hospital security in mystic right. falls <laughs> oh and jenna mentions jeremy's age she says he's 15 which we were wondering about. Um, oh, also, I was thinking uh, their names being Miss uh, the Summers girls, Miranda and Jenna Summers. I'm like, oh, Buffy reference, but probably not. But kind of cool. <laughs> Buffy Summers. Hey! Yeah. Isn't that nice? <laughs> I love that. I didn't even think of that. It's, is that on your end or my end? That's my end. Somebody's knocking at my door. Um, okay. Somebody very, very pale is there. I'm... I'm gonna have I'm gonna have them like just slip the door the the note that they are carrying just like toss it to me because I'm not I'm not about to invite them in. Yeah, don't invite them in, and it might okay. be asbestos, so be careful. Ooh, okay, all right. <laughs> I don't know. Back. My brain goes to weird places. Okay, well, uh, some very leather wearing old presence teenage looking person with a very pale skin just delivered this letter. Oh, it's to you. I love getting mail. Uh, it says, "Dear Bridget." My teenage nephew is missing classes, showing up to school stoned and hungover, and won't listen to me whenever I try to appeal to him or ground him. I've resorted to searching through his things to confiscate his stash. I didn't even know this was going on until his teacher told me at a parent-teacher conference that he'd missed six classes this week and implied that I was unfit to be their guardian. But it's like nothing I do or say has any impact. Most of all, I feel like a failure in replacing my older sister as a mom. I just can't do it. What do I do? Sincerely, Jenna. Oh, dear Jenna. You know, uh, I'm so sorry for your loss. I've actually connected with your niece about this exact same issue. So I want you to know you're not alone. Um, And also, you're right. 
you're never going to replace your sister as their mom. Um, and, and, and that's that's just a fact. But in your position, here's here's exactly what I would do. I would call out of work and I would call out of school um, for, for one day for, for both you and Jeremy so that he can wake up and be sober for you to have a conversation and just tell him what you told me. You know, no bullshit consequences, you know, don't relate to his drug use. Just tell him that his teacher has noticed he's missing school, knows he's using drugs, and has uh, essentially threatened to potentially report you to child services. Tell him what could happen. Level with him about this. Tell him you love him and that you're never going to be able to replace their mom, but that you're going to do your best you know, to just do what you think she would have wanted and that foster care is probably not what she would have wanted and get him and his sister into therapy. Have a family meeting where you lay out a plan to reconnect. Uh, just be really open, grieve together, share memories, have regular dinners all together and make yourself regularly available for them to talk to you. If he really can't stop with the drugs and skipping classes, then that's a problem and he's probably not able to stop and you've got to take measures to just get him into rehab and whatever you do do not dump this on elena's shoulders you know she's already written to me about this she's very concerned and i you know i think it's okay to say what you're going through but honestly maybe you should be in therapy too because it's not a 17 year old's job to coach you through how to replace her mom which right. you can't do that's my two cents on that love you jenna and then we go to the Mystic Grill, my favorite place. I feel like I'm going to start doing, like... A jingle for the grill? Yeah, either that or just, like, um, welcome to the Mystic Grill, where we have new fried shrimp and poppers. Like, I don't know what it's like. I'm just, like, obsessed with the grill. But, you know, the grill's happy, happy place sometimes. Happy in my belly. But, uh, <laughs> but we see Jeremy, or Jeremy sees Vicky flirting and talking with Tyler and then starts kissing him, and you just hate to see it. And yeah, like I guess they made up, but that we don't know how because it's silent. It's just like really sad piano chords. Poor Jeremy in this moment. I just feel for him. And from bad to worse, Caroline's going outside to her car. We hear the spooky music that nobody else seems to be able to hear for some reason. <laughs> And this time, um, Damon pulls the out of nowhere thing, I'm right behind you, that he did with Elena earlier. But this time, I'm not turned on. Not at all. It's a, it's a different dynamic. And she, she goes, cocky match? And he goes, very much. And there's a potential here for actually them to have an interesting dynamic. Right. But the power it, dynamic is so out of control. They could be a power couple. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I think they're very... They're both a lot. <laughs> they're both like the they they have a lot of humor together. Like they're both like the element of playfulness or of like turning scenes on their head in a, like an unexpected way. And then we go to the old timey Salvatore boarding house, and Elena rings the old timey bell, and, and the music is saying something always brings me back to you. Gravity by Sarah Bareilles, so good. And in this moment, we've done a role reversal uh, from the end of the last episode where Elena now is showing up to Stefan's door unexpectedly, and this time she does the meaningful thing of inviting him out with her instead of inviting him into her house. We, of course, had to get some obligatory diary talk. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Good for Elena in this moment, because she realizes that 
she would just be doing the same thing she was doing she would do every night where she would write in her diary and she realizes that what she would be writing would be things that she really should be telling Stefan. And I'm really proud of her for making that realization and just telling him what's going on and that she's scared. She says, I'm scared that if I let myself be happy for one moment, the world is going to come crashing mm-hmm. down. And I don't know if I can survive that. I thought, I think that's so beautiful, that feeling of like the other shoe is going to drop. That was beautifully, she's, she's realizing that before when she was acting all like passive aggressive, that it wasn't really about Stefan's baggage. It was about her own baggage. And now she's owning that. Right. And I, I like that. And I think therapy would have helped her get there sooner. Okay. Yeah. And we have this moment where. You know, she says that that's what she would be writing, and he says, "You know what I would write? So I would write. I met this girl, and we talked, and it was epic. And then the sun came up, and he word for word says the same thing that she said earlier. And I'm like, stop using each other's words, please, and thank you. But I do like, but you know, what's yeah, you know, what's also beautiful about this moment. So when my friend Jess, who will eventually have on this podcast, because she is also a huge Vampire Diaries fan, when she got married a couple years ago. For the bridesmaid gifts, we all got earrings, and she included, like, a quote from something in everybody's little earring box. And for mine, it was, we talked, and it was epic. Or we met, we talked, and it was epic. And I, so at this moment always, like, gets me a little bit. That's beautiful! And then, we get a kiss, baby! Not just one, but it's a full-out makeout session. It's so good they have that, like, first little, like, test you kiss. And then they have the second, like, hands on each other's faces kiss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, ooh, here we go. Here Very we go. And, and this song, you know, I know that you said that you love it for this moment. I do, too, because of the aesthetics. But the, the words of the song Gravity are like, you know, it, it almost sounds like a toxic relationship in a way because it's like something always brings me back to you and it never takes too long and you're keeping me down. And, yeah. and and you're all over me and that kind of stuff. And when we finally get to, like, the ending of that song, it brings us to Caroline and Damon in bed. And I'm like, oh, good yeah. song choice because we got, like, the highs of the, of the song with Stefan and Alina kissing at the climax. And then we see Caroline and Damon in bed. And to mirror everything that I said last episode with Vicky and Tyler, here we have Caroline obviously enjoying at first, what's happening with Damon, and then he ambushes her, and we see him attack her, and he yeah. goes all vamp face, as he would say. Vamp face, and then it's just this horrific scream as he bites her. And this is where the episode ends. Mm-hmm. I don't like this ending. Leave Caroline alone. Yeah. Yeah. I do like this ending, just because you're like, what the fuck is gonna happen now? Yeah. Is she dead? Is she a vampire now? Is oh, What is happening? Is she gonna be the next Vicky? Anyway, Nikki, who are you taking and who are you staking? I'm going to take Matt Donovan and I'm going to give him a cookie for doing all right in this episode. Oh, that's sweet. Because you were very hard on him last episode. I was very hard on him last episode, but he did some really good moments. He stumbles a little bit. You know, there's some moments I'm like, you probably should have reacted a little bit more strongly from what, you know, happened about, you know, what Jeremy said about Vicky. And Tyler, uh, maybe we work on that. But he's spending most of this episode, you know, he dropped the ball again with the whole, like, Elena thing. But yeah. he spends this episode really caring for Vicky and looking out for her. He he swallowed his pride and said thank you to Stefan because he loves his sister. He really genuinely loves his sister. And then we also, I love the moment when he talks to Stefan because it's everything that I wanted him to do when it's like, 
I still care about this person, even if we're not in a romantic relationship. And I'm going to look out for her. So I was really proud of him. That's awesome. And I'm staking uh, the Gilbert's aversion to therapy. (laughs) Bridget, who are you taking and staking this episode? I'm taking Jeremy out to watch the comet and talk about our feelings as we eat burgers and fries and milkshakes from the Mystic Grill in the town square so that he doesn't have to go out and get drunk and high or take pills to deal with his feelings all on his own tonight after seeing the girl that he likes be with another person. And then I'm staking the security team at the Mystic Falls Hospital because they suck at their jobs. (laughs) Nikki, what's your tarot card and for whom? I'm so excited. I have a feeling we might have the same one. Interesting. I don't know. I just have that feeling. Ooh. Watch me be wrong. But you know, I have that feeling. I picked the hanged man for Elena. Oh, interesting. Well, okay. Tell me why. But the hanged man, I like because of, you know... It's being stuck, right? And that's, I think Elena's really struggling right now with the the something new, but like trying to get to the something new. She's holding herself back, right? She's like, she is the Mm -hmm. thing that's tying herself up. Like, she is capable of like having this breakthrough about her behavior patterns and like this moment when she tells Stefan, like, I would be doing the same thing I'd be doing every day where I'd just be writing in my diary and doing all these things when I should be talking to you. And I think that it's, like, yeah. this moment of her to be able to kind of, like, we get, like, a little bit of a switch into, like, this new thing because she's able to, like, free herself and be, like, because she thinks that she's freeing herself earlier in the episode. She's, like, I feel good. I'm going to do all these things. But she's not because she's not quite ready yet. Um, but then by the end of the episode, she's actually able to start doing the things because she's able to recognize that she's afraid and do them anyway. I am so excited about what you just explained, because even though we picked different cards, we picked them for the same reason for the same character. Hey, what did you pick? I picked the sun card reversed for Elena. Love it. Explain. This card is a card about like, it's almost like you've you've been through a journey. You've put in a lot of work and now the sun is out and you can truly, this is a moment of like being able to relax into life. Give yourself up to the dance of it all and just trust that, like, the right partners are going to find each other, allowing yourself to just enjoy and acknowledge the abundance that you've worked for. But when it's reversed, it's almost like there's something inside you that's like, but my journey here has been so rough. I don't know if I can go outside. Like, if I peek my head out the door, is the other shoe going to drop? And she totally talks about that, like, with feeling afraid. And I just think it's so interesting. Like, she's gone through the moon, which is right before the sun, which is funny because you picked the moon for Bonnie last last episode. But uh, when when you go through that that period of uncertainty and grief and just, like, the, the, the sort of, you know, intensity of the moon, which is such a void, and it comes right before the sun, it's hard then to be like, oh, I can relax now. And take care of my inner child who is, like, scared to come out. And I just see Elena, you know, wanting to start caring and actually have hope for happiness with someone. And she's she's actively, you know, resisting it, which is why I picked this card oh, reversed. That makes really good sense. Hey, Bridget, what's the word of the day? The word of the day today is gadfly. Any of various flies that bite or annoy livestock... Or a person who stimulates or annoys other people, especially by persistent criticism. All right, Bridget, what is your sentence? Mine is not a very well-constructed sentence, but it's Bonnie sets Caroline up to be a gadfly about her grams because Bonnie criticizes grams first. 
Oh, we did not pick the same person. Ooh. I said, Tanner is such a fucking gadfly, he leaves everyone feeling like shit, so much so that the term being tannered was coined. Amazing! And with that, we are going to wrap the second episode of The Vampire Diaries, The Night of the Comet. Thank you so much for joining us. I've been one of two hosts, Nikki. I'm your other host, I'm Bridget. And we'll see you next time. Dear Diary, she said it was a vampire. Dear Diary, there's no woodshop, is there? Dear Diary, he wants to make my life miserable. That's how he enjoys his. Dear Diary, this town could use a bit of a wake-up call, don't you think?